Join us on a remake that slid under the radar for many years, but one brought to life by creatives from across the kaiju sphere. We examine a lost Disney classic that failed to perform at the box office. But did this film deserve more attention, and will it measure up to the innovative original? Or was this all monkey business simply for the apes? Find it along with us. This is Kaiju vs. History, Mighty Joe Young. Welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is actual South African cast in the main role. Patrick here and joining me is my big hairy ape co-host Miles. Miles, how's it going? Hey, hey. You want to play some hide and seek? <laughs> yes, but I, you go hide and we'll see worst, if I go seeking. <laughs> the worst hide and seeker. We are we are back to talk this week about a movie that released Christmas Day in 1998. The Disney Pictures produced Ron Underwood directed film Mighty Joe Young. Uh, pretty pretty excited to to get the, this one. I don't think I've seen this since the 90s. I think I was so okay. I was I was going to ask you did did, did you see this when it came out? When it came out, probably not. When it came to television or something like that, I, I imagine I did see it then. Maybe maybe on like HBO, like right when it came out. Because I I think I see have seen bits and pieces, probably some on the Disney Channel in subsequent years. But I never sat down and watched this one. I mean, we oh. we have noted that I'm not a giant ape guy, really, and especially wasn't when I was. But you love Mighty Joe Young, the original. But I didn't see that until we started doing this show. Yes. Yes, <laughs> so yes, yes. I, and, I, I'm, and there have been, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but there have been some movies that I, I could have seen earlier. But since starting the show, I kind of mm-hmm. want to keep my watches a little pure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same way. If, if I know we're going to be watching it in the future, I've kind of held off for for some like, for some films, I have been dying to rewatch the Millennium movies, and typically Godzilla movies, I'm okay rewatching because I do watch them pretty frequently. But I have, I have kept myself from doing that, so I have a little bit more of a, a fresh taste in my mouth when we when we cover those in the near future, in the very near future. But yeah, I mean, you you know that I'm I was not a big Kong guy growing up, and especially at 14, I mean, I was at that point Godzilla or bust, and. Because I didn't have a lot of other options. Like, I think I might have known Gamera because of MSC3K. But so, yeah, this one didn't really grab me when it first came out. <laughs> well, a lot of the audience, it didn't grab. So not, well, that's it's, understandable. It's an, it's an interesting movie because, I mean, the first one's so influential. And I mean, the recipe, and I think that's something that's going to come out a lot in this conversation. The recipe for this movie seems like just the perfect storm of, of good stuff because you mm-hmm. have a director who knows how to do creature features because mm-hmm. he directed a 90s favorite tremors yeah we we entered into the 90s with a ron underwood film and we're near the end of the 1990s with with another one and you know we we talked about his kind of fall from from grace right <laughs> which you know started with this movie but this was not the nail in the in the coffin for for ron underwood i, I mean honestly the movie looks great we'll, we'll talk about it but i think he does a great job directing this one 
Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, he, he does, but I mean, <laughs> Pluto, Pluto Nash was just oh. <laughs> <laughs> take these Hillary's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you you have a, a very good director. You have uh, an interesting screenwriting duo who has done a lot of uh, ad, uh, adapting, but also one of them like did Star Trek Six. And yes, I'm, yeah. I'm I, okay. You've got you've got some solid, at least competent writers. You have two excellent starring actors you have a very young and i think this is like her second big movie was devil's advocate first devil advocate was first but she was not i don't think she was a big part of devil i don't remember her in devil's advocate to be to be honest uh th- this is definitely oh, rewatch that movie and you will <laughs> oh okay this is definitely though the first big her one. her first starring role yeah charlize theron who would go on to win an oscar and, and a million best. other Awards yeah, is so definitely her, one of the, and, the best actresses I think in Hollywood at this time. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. You also have Bill Paxton just oh. being Bill Paxton, which is all you ever want him to be, right? Gosh. Yeah, why didn't he get more leading man roles? He's great in this as well. I mean, he, he's coming off hot off Twister too. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's probably his like most famous leading role. I just feel like you know watching this, I texted you and it's like why why didn't we get more. Kind of Indiana well, Jones type rules for Bill Paxton. Oh, I mean, I, I'm with you there, but like it, Bill Paxton also really shines when he's like the special sauce in the mm. supporting cast. Like when he when he's in Aliens, like you know, people remember most of that great cast, but they also remember Game Over, man, Game Over. You know, they <laughs> remember him doing the those wild things. You've got David Paymer, Regina King, like you have a great cast. And and every single one of them either does what they're asked to do or just delivers a phenomenally charismatic performance. Well, yeah, great, great supporting cast. You know, we got Regina King in this movie and a very small role. She's like <laughs> barely in it. Uh, yeah. Honestly, that's, I that's was another like, I Academy Award like, winner. <laughs> right. I forgot this. Was, this is so early in her career because I was like, why aren't they using Regina King? What is wrong with them? <laughs> yeah. Well, she shows up and I'm like, wow. Well, I mean, uh, she had she had done like Poetic Justice and uh, Boys in the Hood by now. So. Right. Right. And uh, some some great, great character actors. David Pamer is uh, another one of the, the scientists. I love him. I'm I'm yeah. always been a fan of him. He's he's <laughs> yeah, he. He's amazing. And the villain of the movie played by Raid Sergevzija. Oh, man, I'm, I butchered that last name. Is saying Andre Strasher. And he is he eats up many of films where he plays the the, the, bad the guy. enemy. Yeah, usually like a Russian or Eastern European. He was in The Saint. I so that. I'm in the middle of. Krista and I are she's she's never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies, so we are going oh, through those. And him, him, him in Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> with, with the like the, the Einstein look mm-hmm. <laughs> is is so good. So like as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah. He he's, he he plays a, a Russian in a lot of, of movies. Here he's well, I'm not sure what nationality he's supposed to be, but he's the the poacher. The yeah, I think they say he's from was it Lithuania, Romania? Is where, is Romania is where, where his like his, here. his thing is based. But yeah, he's a Croatian actor. But yeah, I mean, every everyone was either well cast or you know just all the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. We're going we're going to go into whether or not that's always worked. Because I mean, you also have. 
James Horner doing the score. So like everything sounds on paper just sounds like a hit. And you've got Disney doing, I mean, putting in $90 million in 1998. That was a ton of money. I mean, it's still a ton of money, yeah. but like this, yeah, this, this was a, supposed to be a big, big deal. This was a, a Buena Vista Pictures film distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. But yeah, it, it was so weird in the intro of the movie seeing the Walt Disney logo, but also like a an updated RKO Pictures. I, I love that was so cool. I loved that so much. And before we get into this movie and why it may or may not have succeeded, I guess it just didn't succeed. People don't really care to see it because I think it got decent reviews. Patrick, tell me, what, if anything, with this one is in a title? Yeah, Mighty Joe Young is pretty pretty classic title because, of course, it is the same title as the 1949 original film, which I don't think there was that many things with the the title for, for the original film, but there's a lot for this one. It's also known as Powerful Joe in Brazil is I mean, uh, he... Poderoso Joe, and the in, in China, is tran- the title translates to Invincible Gorilla. Powerful Joe Young and My Friend Joe is another title that, that hmm. traveled around a lot in France. It was, it was Mon Ami Joe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? I wish I just kept that. Mon Ami Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So so internationally, the, the, the title has never been the strongest point with this, this picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Turkish title was Big Baby Joe. But for the most part, oh, Joe... Hold, hold, hold on there. Big Baby Joe, I can I can, <laughs> I can can dance with. <laughs> yeah, Big Baby Joe, Joe the Giant Gorilla in, in, in Sweden. A lot, lots of variations on this. It's so funny that he he doesn't get... He's usually just called Joe in a lot of the other titles. They, they drop the, the young part and usually add some other words in but yeah he that he is the titular monster in this movie just like the original this feels very kaiju adjacent for a mm-hmm. number of reasons but because of the original film because of how influential Ray Harryhausen's monster effects were and even yeah. in this movie, some of the the animatronics, which we'll, we'll talk about, this is a very kaiju-like film in the way they went about making it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, it was so funny because Chris was asking me when I was telling her what I was doing this week, and she was a little mad that I already watched it before she was able to because <laughs> she saw this movie when it came out and loved it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a, a very family-friendly, you know, definitely feels kind of Disney-esque Oh, action uh, movie. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a second. But I she I was asking, well, why are you doing my Joe Young? It's not a big monster movie, is it? And I'm like, well, and I kind of gave her a little bit of the, the rundown because she wasn't aware of the original one. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I, I said, because the King Kong connection and everything. And but her asking that was like, oh, t- trust me, we've had many conversations about how I don't think half these these big monkeys are kaiju. So. <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> this one, I mean, it really does feel like it, though. And we get a couple of different, you know, origin stories for for Joe as mm-hmm. both like a mythical guardian of the mountain and also that a scientific. Very Japanese, even though it's right, it's right. it's not. I mean, obviously, it's a, a African South African story. But like that idea of like there's a mystical connection to the named creature and the folklore of the people that live there. Yeah, yeah, I forget the the name that they called Joe as as I the, I don't remember either. The mythical 
aspect of 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 Joe, but you know, obviously before, but uh, very much so. We see him as a child gorilla with his tribe, and he doesn't really. I mean, I guess his growth is accelerated. They explain they, that, they, but yeah, they mention like every fifth generation, like someone that line, yes. some sort of version of gigant gigantism. So yeah, that, that's I, Regina King's line is they've they've basically coded out that they're everyone in Joe's tribe is kind of like a recessive gene holder for making a giant monkey, which is a really cool idea that, you know, that's where the legend came from is. Yeah. 400 years ago, there was also a two thousand pound gorilla. Yeah, no, I, that I, I do dig that idea, but it's like, you think someone would find found this gorilla earlier that they were left alone, but <laughs> this, this movie does kind of follow the original to a T there, yeah. there are some changes and there's, there's updates. updating. There's there's some some because well, in the original and the characters, obviously, with with Gregory is a stand in for the well, a couple of characters. I guess he's kind of like a mix of both the the cowboy. What was his name? Oh, I he, he was Greg in the original, but the Ben Johnson plays Greg. In the yeah, original. but there's like, also because uh, the original doesn't really have an out and out villain, if I don't recall. No, no. Max O'Hara is kind of the the closest thing to an antagonist because he's the one that right. brings Joe over. But this this movie does very much have an evil, which poacher. is 90s Disney to a T. You, you got you got to have. And we get this like Bambi beginning. We're like, because the original like by the time we get Jill as an adult. Yes, the father's died. But yeah, it's not, that's not a major part a of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that aspect of her her origin story, I thought was done pretty well. And yeah, the, yeah, the it's, reasons it's fine. I, they don't they luckily breeze along, so you don't have to like stop and think. Well, well then who did raise her? You know, and and any other <laughs> village, actual questions. The village, and and also, oh gosh, there's another actor who Quelly, uh, I think. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yes, who's played by Robert Wisdom, who I, I most recently watched in, in Barry. He's in the, the later seasons of Barry, but they're just great actors left and right mm -hmm. uh, in this movie. But indeed, yeah, so we in the original movie, it is kind of like both a greed and a, an exploitation thing. Why they want to bring Joe over to to the U.S. to kind of show him off in, in this movie. It's all good intentions. They want to. Yes. Keep them safe from the poachers. Joe is also already isolated because the tribe has moved on. The tribe has kind of rejected this giant. Right. And and the poachers are still trying to like once they find out about Joe are trying to get him. And which is why Jill accepts. Yeah. So I, I do. I do like I mean, there's again, so much of this movie on paper looks great. And speaking of looking great, Joe looks fantastic. Well, Can't deny that. But yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Joe, the titular character. I would say he looks as good, if not better, for this time than even the 1949 Ray Harryhausen effects. I mean, yeah, I would agree. It is a simply an amazing achievement that they had with the mix of your blue screens, your some some basic CGI and, and things, and animatronics. <laughs> Yeah, there's the a perfect best. blend of practical and generated effects that I I don't know if we've seen honestly as good on screen. Yeah, it's it's out of this world. He was brought to life by four 
up tears and was pseudomated by John Alexander, who recently in the 1990s was the choreographer for Cathoga in the, the relic film. Oh, oh yeah. But he, he was a, you know, in a lot of alien roles in the men in black movies in the nineties, oh, uh, he was a cowardly lion and returned to Oz, but ah, uh, yes, the traumatizer of children <laughs> that I have heard so many stories because people don't remember it came from that movie, but they'll right. talk about parts of that movie that just scarred them for life. And it's always returned to Oz. It's always, <laughs> it's always that, like that wall of heads, the the suit, though, the designer for the special effects of this movie was Rick Baker, who we talked about maybe last in 1976's King Kong. Mm-hmm. He went on to win and originate the Oscar for special effects in American Werewolf in London. Supposedly after Kong, he vowed to never do another monkey. But, you know, when they bandied about the idea of bringing back the 1949 original Mighty Joe Young and and doing an update, you know, he Mm -hmm. wanted to take on this challenge. He was a huge fan of Ray Harryhausen's work. And yeah, I think it was one of those situations where he didn't want someone else to mess up this, this property. And he knocks out of the park. Boy. Yeah. I mean, you can say what you want about this movie. You cannot say that Joe looks bad or that he moves weird or it was poorly acted. I think, I think Joe is the standout in the movie where you have standout actors who do very, very well and have great chemistry. It, it kind of warms your heart that, that still the, the sensational creature is still the star of the show in that respect. And, and, and this movie, yeah, I mean, when, when they let Joe do his own thing, this movie soars. Mm -hmm. So, Patrick, we, we're ta- we've talked about how, how we have all these great ingredients. We have great actors because I, I feel like you might feel the same way I do. Why do you think this movie feels so hollow? I mean, I, I think part of it is they both strayed away from from the original plot a little bit in, in some of these changes. And they but they also tried to keep too much of the original mm-hmm. In and and really didn't know what they wanted to do to make their their own movie. You know, say what you want about 98's Godzilla. That movie understood what it was trying to do. You know, right. it, it took nothing from the original Gojira or any of the other Godzilla movies. It, it wanted was to... <laughs> doing its own thing, right. its own story, you know, for better or for worse. This movie... You know, we get the same relationship between Jill and Greg blossoming that we got in the 1949 movie. And I don't know why it even worked better in that movie. In this movie, it doesn't feel like it's needed. You know, it, 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 it feels does, like it, it works only because those two actors are so charismatic. Oh, yeah, that. But I, I think you're right. And there's also there's a lot of of kind of succumbing to the show. Don't tell. Mm-hmm. And this movie seems to do a lot of that. Like. Like we're told Regina Regina King has a line that's like, you've got googly eyes for the monkey girl. (laughs) It's like, whoa, calm down. That is such a Disney, a 90s Disney line that was used for a trailer. You you can just you can. I haven't even seen that trailer, but (laughs) I I I guarantee that line is in there. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's little things like that. And I mean, to be honest, the original movie didn't require this kind of like bad guy character to set forward the 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 problems it, I it had agree it had 
just Joe getting drunk by some random people. And that moved the plot forward. <laughs> I, this... I do. I do like that. It's just it. There's an actual reason for it, as opposed to like they got the monkey liquored up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. In, in this movie, they they use this collection of like coins and rattlers that yeah, the, the poachers use. Yeah, something that the poachers use. Angry. Yeah. There, there's just a couple things that feel like they really should have focused on and kind of shied away from these other plots. I, honestly, I think the relationship between Jill and Joe in this movie is where some of the best mm-hmm. filmmaking happens. And part of that is because, I mean, Charlie's there on, but also the animatronics for Joe are so emotive, mm-hmm. so ex- uh, full of expressions, especially that- in the eyes. Yeah, you've got the actor that should be the star of this movie. And rightfully so, I think, you know, Peter Jackson kind of understood that when he would go on to make the King Kong remake is King Kong is the main character. And they kind of leaned into that in in that adaptation as this is a, you know, a living emotion filled creature that uh, the audience kind of can feel for. And I mean, that, that's that's where they're going with this movie, but they still never did it hard, <laughs> leaned into it hard enough. Yeah. When when Joe was on his own after escaping from the poachers and is being chased by the, the police, that that segment until especially once he, once he gets to the amusement park, that whole segment works really, really well because and we get just so Joe fun his, too. it's it's super fun. We get we finally get more time with Joe, which I also I think. This movie suffers from we get a lot of dragging our feet with all the humans and the bureaucratic nonsense and we don't mm-hmm. spend enough time with Joe and we get all these moments of this scared, confused creature that you really feel for. Like mm-hmm. this is this is in, in every sense. He's in a complete innocent like he was taken here. You know, he didn't have a say in that. And then he's yeah. put in this situation. He reacts to something because it triggers the memory from when his mother was killed Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, so this, this, this guy has gone through so much. And when he's on the, on the run, you, he has these like kind of these scared little whimpers and like growls where he's like just confused. And especially at first I didn't catch on to it. And the movie explains it to me. So I'm glad that I did that. Cause when I see the spotlight and they're like, Oh, like my flashlight. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. They, they, they really ham up the, the flashlight kind of early on in the movie where it's like, why? It's like broad daylight. But, but, why is she using time, this flashlight? By the time, by the time it's used, I had completely forgotten about that. So I was like, Oh, okay. It's a little bit of like a, a 76 Kong. Like, Oh, he's just, he's climbing the highest thing that looks like the mountains on his Island. It's like, okay, we got it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, all the Joe stuff and then the Joe, like instead of a burning building of orphans, it's a burning Ferris wheel. Great sequence. Yeah. Um, it's it's really, really good. Do, There's do so have, much. Do you have a favorite scene is is our favorite action Ooh, sequence? Or um, emotional sequence that 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 sticks with you. I'm trying to think of a, if I have a favorite. Uh, <laughs> I do love <laughs> when there's a sequence with Joe and Bill Paxton and or no, it may no, it may sign up Bill Paxton. Maybe it's uh Harry where Joe kind of smacks him. <laughs> yeah. And, and it reminds me of like when I think it's Bill Paxton. It reminds me of like when Thor punch, uh, gets punched by Hulk in the Avengers movies. Like it's such a, co- and they, they, this wasn't a guy that was used very often. So like they don't hold on it, but like 
the, the, the whole sequence is done. Then Joe just kind of taps him and sends him like reeling back a little bit. And I, I just thought that was so funny <laughs> that Joe's still being kind of petulant about this guy. Mm-hmm. And because we talked about the other great scenes, like Joe being on the run for the police, that, that scene on the bridge especially was great. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so many of his action sequences really, really stuck with me. I, I think, honestly, his running from Greg and the other hunters in the kind of first act of of the movie is one of my favorites. And it just it looks so seamless. You know, the effects mm-hmm. look so good. And it's a pretty, pretty exciting action sequence, you know, <laughs> but part of me is like, what, what are these guys doing? They see this ape that could like literally tear their truck apart. And they're like, yeah, we're going to put this chain on it. It's like, that's a terrible, I like, what morons? Like, <laughs> and it, even Bill Paxton's kind of like, kind of tilting and saying like, huh? Like, <laughs> um, and I mean, I love that sequence because, you know, I, I, I mentioned him at the top of the show, but like Ron Underwood directs the crap out of this movie and the opening Mm -hmm. especially looks very gorgeous. It taking full advantage of the location that they're shooting on. It feels like this rich pulp adventure. Like, yeah, this is, this is Tanzania, perhaps somewhere in central Africa, uh, stood in for by Hawaii. This is a very beautiful, um, Hawaiian kind of locale of, that's taking the place of these these African mountains. So beginning of the movie um, looks looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly Charlize Theron, you know, was hired in like April and they were shooting in like May. You know, it was like a very <laughs> very quick turnaround and and she killed it. Like I mean, you know, we talked about how everyone was great, but like she's so standout and there, there's a reason she became a massive Oscar winning star because yeah, I, she. I, goes from being a relative unknown here and just commands attention. She, I don't think starts off really great in this movie, but as they give her more stuff and allow mm-hmm. her character to grow, she really fleshes out Jill young. You know, definitely I would say much more than the, the original movie where she's you know kind of a little on the defense of the entire film. Yeah, there's there's some fun cameos in this movie. I don't know if you 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 saw that, but in the section that is like the fundraiser for Joe, mm-hmm. when we first see Charlie is Theron in like a dress, and they're like, "Wow, she really cleans up nice" or whatever. There there's two guests who say, you know, oh right, says she reminds me of somebody, but I can't think who. And you then, when we first met. <laughs> yeah, you when we first met. So that is the actress, of course, who Terry Moore, who played the original Jill Young. And the man that she's with is Ray Harryhausen himself, which is that's one it's, of the best cameos in all of Kaiju films. It's it's very, very nice. It's very sweet. It, I I love that sequence a lot. <laughs> and it's one of those things where like yeah, you 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 wouldn't know it if you if you didn't know. Like as a kid, I would have never clocked that. I just thought that oh, that's a sweet scene. And I think I think like Claire Danes has a weird role in this movie. Like she's like a blink and you miss her. I, you know, I saw that before I started watching it, and I did miss her in this. Yeah, exactly. Movie. Same with Connie from the Mighty Ducks movies. Yeah, Wild well, American Summer. She's in this movie, but I didn't clock her. Oh, what what's his name? The <laughs> the guy that. From the office, or not the office? From, gosh, I'm trying to think. Who, who plays the cop at the the end of the movie? Is is oh a, oh another... I know exactly who you're talking about because he's in he's he's such a great character actor. 
Yes. No, not. I'm trying to remember because like he really has just a small, small part. And it's it's I'm I'm like talking just so I can go through this thing to get the guy's name. Richard Real Ryle. Yes. Who was in office space as like mm-hmm. the uh, jump to conclusions. conclusions. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. Oh, this he's been in, in uh, a million things, but it's so funny just to see the, yeah, a very small role taken up by, you know, a great actor. And it's really, it, it's just one of those, another <laughs> kind of small cameos, but yeah, I need to go back and, and watch, watch for Claire Danes who would have been pre my so-called life. Post my life, I forget. I that think show. this would have been pre, or, or it may have been around the same time, but like no one had known her yet because this would have shot in '97, right? Yes, yeah, it started. Yeah, and I mean, I think my so-called life was started to come out in '97, so I think so. Yeah, it, it, she was. She would have still been unknown probably when she was cast for this movie. Right, right. Yeah, that uh, the the cast is just so unbelievable from from the top to the bottom. There. Oh, my so-called life was 94, 95. Whoops. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot earlier than, than I yeah, thought. Yeah, so, so I, I don't know. Maybe why, she why just did it such a teeny role, yeah. I think maybe she just asked to be in the movie. I, don't, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't... I mean, this was... This is also after Romeo and Juliet. Wow. So yeah, I have no, I, I have no idea why she's there. Yeah. Well, we, we have a verified. Maybe, maybe just IMDb is, is wrong. Who knows? Maybe. That's, that's, that's happened before, and I... Because it's not on her regular Wikipedia list here. Well, it's so tiny, yeah. <laughs> that, that role, if, if if she is in here. I mean, like uh, I said, I didn't clock her. I didn't see her. So, uh, wh- one thing I do like to point out is, yeah, Charlize Theron was 22 when she was cast in this film. One of her her first main ones, of course. She's now like not just an actress; she's a producer in her own right, a, a big big Hollywood juggernaut. Bill Paxton was 20 years her senior. He was 42 when this movie came out, which hard to believe, but that's a larger age gap than Terry Moore and Ben Johnson in the original movie who only who they seemed much different in age, had only an 11 age year age gap. Yeah, but wasn't she like young, young when she was in that movie? Uh, 19 or 20. Yeah, she she definitely looked, I feel like a little bit younger than. Charlize Theron is, you know, a, a full woman in this movie. She doesn't. She weird phrase. <laughs> well, she does, doesn't have like the same naivete. It feels like that Terry Moore brought to the character. Yes, she is very much an untrusting. Like these people are are no, are no good, and I don't want to have anything to, to do with them. Yeah, both characterizations are fine. I kind of I, I think preferred that both. Terry Moore's Jill Young and in Joe Young in that movie felt like fish out of water and they they didn't lean into that as much in in this film. Uh, agreed. But yeah, that that that's where part of the kind of humor of the original movie comes from because when you get the monkey drunk, you know, it's it's kind of a a tragedy in its its own right. But yeah, some great action in this movie. Critics of the time Enjoyed it, I would say, uh, a good amount. Yeah. Enough. I'm not sure what it was going up against, but Ro- Roger Ebert gave it three stars, said it, it's, you know, it's not meek and harmless. It is a full-blooded action picture, but with a certain warmth and humor instead of uh, the scorched earth approach. 
three out of four stars. Cisco, uh, I don't think gave a full review, but gave this movie a thumbs down. Of course, that, that <laughs> tracks. I'm, I'm looking. I'm actually very, very curious about what came out around holiday 1998. That it's it's oh. crazy. This came out oh. on Christmas Day. <laughs> well, a Bug's Life was still out. Was that doing really um, well for? I imagine kids. Oh, bu- a Bug's Life. Yeah. So you have a Bug's Life was out around that time. You've got mail. Oh, Patch Adams came out on Christmas against it. Was that also Disney? No, I'm just saying these are the movies that came out against it. Yeah, no, I'm and, just wondering. It's like, why would they? Oh, Universal did Patch Adams. That's interesting. So this movie was supposed to come out, I think, closer to the end of summer. And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they they pushed it back to the holiday. Maybe they didn't have something yeah. else to put up there. Maybe they so weren't the, thinking that the, it was going to do well in the summertime. Yeah, it looks like the four movies that came out on Christmas 98 was Money J. Young. The mm-hmm. Faculty, love that one. A Stepmom, movie? that's so weird. Yeah, it's so wild. Stepmom and Patch Adams. And I mean, this was a fairly busy holiday season. You also had, and I'm also including November as part of that, but you had the Rugrats movie, you had Enema of the State, you had the Waterboy, Star Trek Insurrection, Meet Joe Black. There was I, a lot of competition during that year. So, I, I mean, it's kind of like when, remember that, that time period where you had like, Kong Skull Island, Power Rangers, Logan, and <laughs> something else all come out in the same like two week period. Twenty seventeen is that right? <laughs> yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah th- this was a this was a very busy period, and it just happened to not do well against the competition. I remember that time in the movie theaters so well because I, I I feel like I was going to movies all the time, but I think I had aged out of interest in a Disney giant ape. What looked very much like a kind of a touchy feely, I think, from the trailer. Trailers, you know, environmental yeah, kind of message. Yeah. And I mean, get against all this stuff, Prince of Egypt during Christmas time. Yeah. I mean, it this- didn't do well. <laughs> it, it opened about 10 million that, that Christmas weekend and closed worldwide with only about 50 million. So, you know, pretty close to a flop. It did about half of its budget of $90 million, you know, not, not including advertising probably so you can understand why the next kaiju movie the u.s would would put out is 2005's king kong peter jackson's king kong this this year 98 was was pretty bad for for american kaiju movies with this as a failure and of course tristar's godzilla just not not doing what they wanted it to yeah. do are you interested you ready to yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still kind of like, huh, the faculty was a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I'm guessing they wanted to capitalize on sense. kids off school. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But like, I, I don't know that, that that one. I mean, I love that movie. I'm just I'm still kind of like, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's let's. What give do you, our, our what do you think about Mighty Joe Young? What's your your personal enjoyment? At? <sighs> so I'm I am a little torn on this one because this movie, you know, I was going back and forth on it because there are parts of this movie that really drag. And and to the degree that it does affect my enjoyment of the movie, there are parts of this movie that feel just a little soulless. It's and it, and it couples with, you know, we, I mentioned at the top of the show that, oh, we also have James Horner doing the score, but it is the most phoned in generic score I think he's ever done. And it honestly feels like I'm walking around and this is not a compliment. I'm walking around in one of the Disney theme parks. Like it sounds like the music that be playing around while you're walking around the street or the shops or something. Of like yeah. Animal Kingdom. It just, it doesn't have any personality. It's not memorable. It is, it feels very stock. Mm-hmm. And 
for me, the script, because it drags so much, it takes me out of the movie quite frequently. And and, that, and that's too bad because the acting is great. The direction is very solid. But because this movie drags so much, for my personal enjoyment, I'm going with a 7 out of 10. I, I really do think that this, this does get hurt by the fact that it doesn't have a tighter, more emotive script that mm. really... It, it really hurts the movie because the, the high marks are so high and the low marks are just so flat. And it's it's not that it's a poor movie. I mean, seven's still a good score. Let's let's, you know, parse that in there. It's it's just that, like, I can't in good conscience call this movie great, but I can. I, and for my personal enjoyment, at least, I can absolutely say that it's very good. It's got an interesting concept and execution. And, you know, it's slightly evocative, but. I, it does not go into that great area for me. I'm, I'm going with an eight out of 10 myself because despite it needing a good editor to shave, I think like probably 10 minutes off, maybe even 15. If you want to cut out some, some, some plots and things I, if, like if, that. If they, t- if they turn this into a, a, a tighter, a hundred minute movie or maybe even 98 minutes, I think you might, you might have a case for a, a much better film. But yeah, I, I was still expecting something because you see the reviews online. IMDb, it's got like 50% Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, it has like an abysmal audience score and much better critical score. Critic score. Yeah. Well, it's 54 huh. for critics and 41 for audience. I, I was expecting something much worse. It is not that bad. I, I found myself engaged almost the entire time. I think it's a fun update to the 1949 classic. I found myself. Rooting for Joe, rooting for Jill. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I gave the same thing I gave the 49 film an eight out of 10. Yeah. And I think the moment, the outside of it, I think a script that really needed some, some work. I think you can't argue that the technical aspects here are what make this movie shine. And I mean, even, even Ron Underwood said that the experience was really positive, although it was a lengthy three year project for him. He says, I enjoyed all the visual effects work on my J. Young, and it ended up getting an Academy Award nomination for that. And it deserves as it. I think this movie, well. It should. Yeah, this movie looks incredible. And for every flaw the script has and, you know, if everything was on the level of the script, this the technical side could have gotten a six or seven itself. But the actors are fantastic. The direction is excellent. Yes, the score is not great, but it's it's passable. It's it's certainly phoned in, but it doesn't hurt the movie as much. But I mean, Joe alone deserves all the credit in the world because this is, I mean, still one of my favorite big monkeys that blends practical effects on screen. I I think mm-hmm. Joe looks incredible. I don't think we've gotten that kind of mixture since. And I, I think this movie should be lauded for that. I can't go as high as a, a nine because of that script, but it is getting a very, very enthusiastic eight for me. Wow, that's crazy. I'm I'm going the full nine. I think I'm dinging it mostly for some elements of the script. You mentioned the the soundtrack, and there's nothing bad about it, but there's nothing great. It's just, I, it's just there. It, it just feels like some of these elements aren't gelling extremely well. As a kid's movie, I think this is one of the best kaiju movies. You know, it, it is just awesome to to watch but yeah the, the script needs a little bit of of shaving down i think this or punching needs, up like if, if yeah. you make those moments matter and and make it just hit its mark i i won't know a runtime is 
only a problem when the script isn't there. Like, yeah. if I watch, for example, The Aviator, it's three hours long, but that movie clips along. I don't feel like I'm watching a three-hour movie. <laughs> you know, just talking about... I know I picked a random Scorsese movie, but I was just <laughs> trying to think of a three-hour movie that, that well, really just clips along. You know, we just talked about in, in, in real life Godzilla Minus One before we started recording, and it's only like 10 minutes longer than this movie and it feels a half hour shorter because of how exciting and awesome it is you know yes. so it's just one of those things that that, that feels feels a lot different I, I feel like this movie's script excels when it's kind of looking at the jill joe relationship i believe it even more so than 1976's king kong's kind of mm-hmm. quote-unquote love story but yeah yeah you got the the Jill and Greg kind of feels like shoehorned in after that. It does. It only works because those two actors are so charismatic and good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. The technicals are amazing. Those animatronics are out of this world. And like you said, probably never going to get surpassed Mm -hmm. because after this, we're moving to all CGI, which is too bad. I, I love how, you know, Kong looks in the monster verse, but man, I still would love that blend of animatronics just to get that, that thing there with the actors, you just, you, you nothing can replace that. Yeah. But so I'm, yeah, I'm getting a nine out of 10 for uh-huh. it's where it falls in Kaiju cinema. I'm knocking it down. My lowest score for, for this movie, given it a seven out of 10. I, I think this should be more important than it is, but sadly, mm-hmm. you know, following the tanking of, you know, Godzilla's tries her Godzilla and, and this movie not doing well, it just feels like it kind of, set American kaiju movies back a little bit. Like I said, we're not getting another kaiju from a major U.S. studio until 2005. So like seven years after this, where I think as good or as bad as Tricer's Godzilla is, that had a much heavier impact on kind of movie making in in the genre after this. Mighty Joe Young just kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, but I actually I, I agree with you 100 percent there. You know, it's it doesn't hurt the legacy of the original film, but just like the original film, it was overlooked because it's between, you know, kind of halfway <laughs> between another King Kong movie and another Godzilla movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But what did you give me again? Great. A seven out of 10 for, seven. for its importance. That's exactly where I sit too. And for those exact same reasons, I, th- I think it does seem to understand the assignment, but doesn't quite complete the assignment. So while, yeah, it's evocative of some of the same things as the first movie, it doesn't really do anything with it. It doesn't really make its own mark. And what it does, it does pretty well in so many aspects. And unfortunately, like, I, I feel like this, this should have been an, a watershed moment. Like, this movie should be more evocative and important than it is because... I would have loved this was a if this was a big hit, so we could we could possibly get more people encouraged to be like, oh, okay, let's let's try this blend that they used for Maya Joe Young. Would love to see it, but unfortunately, time makes fools of us all. <laughs> and so yeah, seven out of ten. I, like I guess I think this is a perfectly lovely movie. I think it's fine. It just drags too much for me to you know give it any higher. But I certainly don't dislike this movie, and it's got one of the best looking blends of animatronic and cgi that i think we will see on this show period oh wait till next week that 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 is going to bring your score to a seven out of ten my score to an eight out of ten but uh 
the podcast final a seven out of ten drags it down just a little bit. I, I thought I might be the one pulling this down based on how much you like the original Joe Young, but here here we are. Now we're we're we we are pretty like you enjoyed this a little bit more than I did, but I, I think we're kind of in the same spot here. And yeah. a, a seven out of ten is exactly where I I would have put this. That's where my score pretty much is. So, mm-hmm. and I mean again, that is a good score. It means it's very good. It's a three and a half star movie. Like it's a seven is a good score. So I, I, I am perfectly fine with it being here. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for, for Mighty Joe young. I, uh, this is one that once we put it on the list, I was excited to, to try and get back to, to look at it. It just kind of stutters before greatness and, and, and Mm -hmm. comes in as a very watchable Kaiju experience. If you guys want to talk to us about kaiju films, you can find us. Our email is kaijuversushistory at gmail.com on your social medias at kaijuversushistory. And our website is kaijuversushistory.com. Of course, find our episode wherever you find podcasts and give us a rating or a comment or share us with your friends and check out our letterbox to see all of our film reviews in five star format. So this one would get a three and a half stars. What's the Yeah, it'd be about <laughs> three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, and join the Cosmic Crate Discord. We have a Kaiju vs. History channel. If you want to talk to us in real time, we are both usually there and are always happy to chit-chat with you in, well, not in person, but, you know, live. Um, <laughs> right, so what? what is, what I, I tease it, but what are we doing next week, Miles? Oh, nothing special, but, you know, Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, listeners. And we're going to catch you next time when we look at one of the most lauded films in the Gamera canon and finish out the Heisei trilogy that rejuvenated the kaiju genre. That's right. Tune in next time for Kaiju vs. Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs>